This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee. It's a NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader, the first of what many hope will become commonplace. The venue, the world's greatest race course, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Up first, the IndyCar GMR Grand Prix. Career win number 48, and he will do it in extremely dominant fashion. Dives to the pit wall to salute his crew. Scott Dixon goes to victory lane. He wins the GMR Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And getting ready to make a little history as the NASCAR Xfinity Series will tackle the Indianapolis 14-turn road course this afternoon. Chase Briscoe will take the inside line. He'll get the better run on A.J. Allmendinger. Gregson on the outside. It is Chase Briscoe. They're sliding off the racetrack. Allmendinger's going to lose the second spot as Gregson moves up to that spot. They go three wide through turn eight, but it's Chase Briscoe pulling away. Some of the absolute best road racing you will ever see over the last five laps of this one. Somehow, Chase Briscoe survives and wins his fifth race of the year. The debut of the NASCAR Xfinity Series on the road course at IMS is going to be one they talk about for quite some time. We have seen five-time winners. We saw a four-time winner. Will Power could be on the way to his sixth victory in Indianapolis. Won't be quite an Indy 500-type victory lane, but it will be a happy one nonetheless. Twin checkers fly. The big machine spike coolers Grand Prix. A dominant performance by Will Power. He'll go to victory lane. And looking ahead to 2022, he'll be a full-time Cup Series driver, driving the two-car for Team Pinsky on the Cup side. But today, he's going to win at the historic Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Cindric gets the win. The results. It's Brickyard Week, NASCAR and IndyCar, both at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway this weekend on the road course, Saturday and Sunday. Activity actually begins on Friday, so we're here all week, 7 to 8, Beyond the Bricks with Jake Query and Mike Thompson coming up after 8 o'clock again tonight. Is there another contract that might not see its conclusion in IndyCar? We'll discuss. We'll share new theories on how the Alex Pillow saga could be sorted and options for the number 10 for Chip Ganassi Racing and more on this past weekend's Iowa doubleheader. Hello, welcome. What do we have here? An in-studio appearance for Trackside tonight for the hosts. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan, Sam Rumsa at the MS Communications Worldwide Headquarters overlooking Monument Circle. And one of the reasons we're in tonight is because we have a very special guest. He donated at the Carb Night Classic pre-race party at Indianapolis Raceway Park, benefiting uh, homes for our troops with ABC Supply Company back in May. Bill Boldman is here with us. Hello, Bill. Thank you for coming in. And more importantly, thank you for donating. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure to donate. Um, I'm happy to be here. It's excited to uh, to do the radio show. And you'll find that it's not that exciting to watch us work, but you're here anyway, <laughs> and we'll get some of your comments a little bit later on. Kurt, our key card still worked. Fantastic. I was. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I was surprised, but I was prepared for alternative parking if if need be. And they got us in the door, and we didn't have to bother the man downstairs, so it was great. All right, where do we want to start tonight? I know we have things we didn't get to last night from Iowa, so we can go through the box score and get there. Um, but how about this? You know, a, a few people, when I, I've mentioned several times, contracts don't mean anything. And, you know, there was a little bit of slapback about that. And I would say this, that's an extreme comment. That's hyperbole. Contracts do mean something. 
but they don't mean everything. When you have a contract, it just means, hey, you got a better chance of getting paid, but they do not guarantee you that exactly what you thought you had is going to happen. So the latest is Racer reports today that Andretti Autosport is exploring alternatives for the number 29 car in 2023. They confirmed to Racer that Devlin DeFrancesco is under contract for next season, but there's no guarantee that he's going to be in the car. At least there was no comment on that front. But Marshall Pruitt's uh, reporting says that Racer has learned the team began a search earlier this month to find one or more front-running candidates to take over the car once Devlin DeFrancesco completes his rookie season. Although there's no guarantee DeFrancesco would be replaced, DeFrancesco is aware of the conversations taking place with other drivers behind the scenes. Reach for a comment. A representative from Andretti Autosport told Racer DeFrancesco will complete the rest of the season in the car, but stop short of saying and confirming anything beyond 2022. And the team reconfirmed DeFrancesco is under contract for next season. So my first thought is the the interesting part of this is the season has gone better than I expected for Devlin. Uh, he has been competitive in several races where, um, you know, I'm not. Sh- sh- he's been higher up in the order than I expected. Let's put it that way, based on his experience, uh, based on where he was in lights. To me, this speaks of the financial situation going on behind the scenes. I don't know that, but but I think Devlin's had a pretty good year. The per- one or two people that have to be excited by this news and the 10 car news, which we're going to get to, uh, not really news this week, but it continues to percolate. Renus VK and David Malukas somewhere are going to fit into this equation because to me, they're the best two out there who, who have uh, rides to settle for the upcoming season. And it'll be interesting to see where they shake out because now it sounds like there might be another place for one of those guys. Linus Lundquist would be another one. To, to Devlin DeFrancesco's situation, exactly what you said. He's matched expectations. There were not high expectations, and, and many people were saying, eh, this is maybe a year early. He should do another year of Indy Lights. And, you know, I know uh, what happened at Texas, especially those involved weren't that excited about it, and Will Power was not that pleased with uh, the contact at Road America. But I think Devlin's done fine. He's done what you would expect for a rookie to do this past weekend, a perfect example of that. He ran the entire race, both oval races, in difficult situations when the cars obviously weren't particularly good. Grosjean was the only one that finished in the top 10 within that team. So your point, it's always about money. And so there are a couple of things at play here. Now, from a performance standpoint, Andretti may be saying, you know, we're, we're losing Alexander Rossi now. I think we're already missing Ryan hunter Ray. We need another veteran driver. We can't have this many young drivers. You know, your veteran driver is going to be a guy from Formula One who's had one full season of IndyCar and a 23-year-old in Colton Herta who might have one foot out the door headed to Formula One. So we need a little more stability in this camp. So that's great. yes. But then you got to pay for it. So either they found or they think they can find a funded driver or they found another major sponsor that is going to allow them to hire a driver. Because if you were to kick Devlin DeFrancesco to the curb, that car doesn't run the way things are currently situated. So somebody's going to have to there's either going to be funding found by the team and maybe they think they have it, which they believe opens up some options for them. Uh, or there is a driver that is funded 
And of all the drivers that might be available and that are funded, well, there are a couple that could come to mind. You mentioned Renus VK. I do not believe Renus VK is a strong candidate for the number 10. I do not think he will end up there, assuming that Alex Plow is not held to that contract and is not driving that car next year. But he could be a candidate somewhere else. Um, I still think his best situation and best option might be to say, Ed, I'm ready to sign right now. Let's do it. But I get the impression, and it's not from any recent conversations, it's just from what he said publicly last winter, the year before, that he fancies himself going to one of the, quote, big teams. So I think he would be interested in that. And I don't know how much, if any, funding he's bringing from Jumbo this year. He might be mostly a paid driver this year. But I could see the scenario, because I know he was funded before, he might be able to go back to the original backers and say, hey, I've got a chance to go to one of the, quote, big teams that's always got a chance to win the Indy 500. I would remind him that the team you're at (laughs) always puts up front in the Indy 500 and has put you on the front row the last couple of years. So you might, or maybe it was fourth last year, whatever. He's up front. But there's still that flash of the Andretti name. He might be able to get that funding back. So that's option one. Let's comment comment on that before I get to option two. Well, I think that's, yeah, I think that's his... His second best option, because I still think the Carpenter ride is a better option for him. He's I think the, he should stay put. He's the A main, yeah. if you will. He's yes. the primary car. Yes. Uh, yes, they have two cars. They have three cars at some races. But I think, you know, he's essentially uh, A main. And if he goes to Andretti, we've seen the dynamics, and they've been odd at times, and, and they really have been over the last 12 months, with uh, Grosjean coming in, Hunter Ray going out, Rossi on the way out, Herta, we don't know. So I think uh, your best option if, if your Renus is to stay. Which is one of the reasons I didn't think Errol McLaren SP would make sense for him. Uh, that's an excellent point that should have mentioned. They're setting up these cars for Renus VK. Yes, they're, they, they want to do what is best for Connor, but he's the lead driver, and it kind of starts from there. Uh, you go anywhere else, you go to Errol McLaren SP, you're driving Pato's car, you're, and even Pato has struggles with that car sometimes, and certainly did up until this year. You know, now you got Rossi coming in there. You're number three in the in the pecking order, and the same would be true at Ganassi, Andretti, anywhere else. Second option of a driver that would have some funding would be the aforementioned David Malukas. So Dale Coyne, when I asked him at Toronto, "Are you good with this program next year?" He said, "Yes." Now I don't know whether he means with HMD. And Henry Malukas, or it's both driver and, quote, sponsor, co-entrance. David said that me and Dad are not necessarily intertwined, that this has always been part of the plan. Dad is not just doing this to fund my career. He wants to be an owner in IndyCar. He's had a passion for racing since before I got into it. So we are not necessarily always joined at the hip. And if a fantastic opportunity, that was basically the question. If somebody offers you a, a, a wonderful opportunity, can you go on your own and not bring HMD? And he said, yes. And I don't know if he means in theory over the long haul or right now. I have to believe that Dale Coyne has an option on him. Rookie drivers are generally not signed without a team option for the second year. Now, they might be 
if they're bringing significant budget. This is the difference with Alex Pillow and someone like David Malukas. Alex Pillow was bringing his helmet, so the team has all of the leverage. Uh, it's tough to get a ride and just get simply hired, especially after one season when you finished whatever it was, 16th or 18th in points. David Malukas was bringing a sponsor and a significant amount of money and a partner for the team. So they may have been able to work in a mutual option moving forward where the driver can extricate himself for a certain circumstance. Or maybe even the option has been picked up already, but maybe there is a thought that Dale Coyne might be open to a buyout to help fund the team. And he goes and hires another young driver, and that driver will also do well because that's what Dale Coyne Racing does. Yeah, I don't I don't think Dale is uh, is worried about the next driver because he's done very well with so many different guys. Yep. I don't think he's worried about that. The question I would have, if you were put Dale to the real truth, would you rather have Malukas's father, or if it meant keeping, you know, the budget and the partner and the program, or and cutting loose with David, or do you have to? Is it an all or nothing deal? And I think you'd still like to maintain the support from the partner. Yes. I mean, I think that that actually will be more important to Dale than the driver himself. Does that make sense? Well, and it might be a way for this to be a long-term situation because, you know, I think David, we talked about him before this season, that he was going to impress people. He was good in Indy Lights. Kyle Kirkwood has been spoken of for a couple of years as the next best thing, and David Malukas came pretty close to matching him last year. He was stride for stride for sure. Yes, so... If David Malukas in year two is able to be somewhat a higher driver, now if it's an Andretti situation, I'm going to guess they're still asking for dad to write a check or someone to write a check out of this. That's part of it. But it's the better you are, the lower the number asked of you is. And and again, maybe they already have another sponsor and they're just hiring someone out there. And if you're just hiring at this point, Malukas is on that list. So back to the Dale point, you know, if the kid is already set to be a paid driver, a hired driver, then dad can just make good business decisions and be a Kona owner in the team and on and about. And that can be a long-term relationship. And you don't have to worry about whether dad is happy with the competitiveness of the ride for his son. So I don't think we're quite ready to talk about the 10 car, but I don't have a sense for that. But Malukas would have options, it would seem. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's where we go with Malukas. He's going to have options. He's done well. Uh, I looked up uh, today. Uh, he has been the fastest rookie or the top finishing rookie uh, five times. Christian Lundgaard, who we haven't really given enough love to, has has similar numbers. Those two have been the class of this rookie field. And you know, Christian is is guiding by four four or five points in the in the point standings. But they've both had a really nice year. Well, and considering where, where Ray Hall Letterman Landing has been, that they have struggled much of the time, and Lungard has often outperformed one and sometimes both of his teammates. So uh, I know he's a bit frustrated, or at least I sense he's a bit frustrated because I think he expected more. But you can only kind of compare yourself to your teammates, and he's doing fine. So other names, if Andretti indeed has found money 
to fund that 29 and they they can hire. What about Oliver Askew, who's driving for their team in Formula E? Maybe. Maybe. Um, who else? Matt Brabham is driving for their Indy Lights team. I know he's had some conversations, and maybe he's met someone that's going to help get him funded and help along for IndyCar. Maybe they're interested in the Indy Lights presumed champ, Linus Lundquist. Elio Castroneves hasn't signed his deal yet. You can find sponsorship for Elio Castroneves. Mike Shank said they're working towards an extension there. I'm just throwing, this one's more a throwing out in left field. I don't expect that, but until Elio was announced with Mike Shank, I don't think Elio can be ruled out in certain situations, as especially if you're looking for a veteran presence. Um, if you're looking about partner's dream, and someone that can kind of be the leader of the team, don't dismiss that. And they know what Elio is because he's in their engineering room. So they're seeing the data, and they're seeing, is he better than what the results are at this point? So just a thought on that one to, to kind of keep in mind. And then there's Callum Eilat. So let's look into him because he's gotten a lot of conversation, and you notice that we he, he maybe should have been coached up a little better on how to answer the question of, uh, how much interest is there in you at this point? Um, because it's a tightrope for him. So m- my belief is that Hunkos has the option on him, and it would take a buyout for him to leave. Same thing. I, I can't believe that he was signed, not asked to bring anything for this year, without Ricardo Hunkos having the rights to have him come back in 2023 and I believe that's where he's going to be next year unless someone works out a deal for him to leave but I do believe there is interest in the paddock and as I go through and talk with people that I respect whether it be managers team owners other drivers it's 50-50 on who you'd take between Callum Eilat and David Malukas both are very very highly rated I don't think Eilat is going to be available though I, I would agree with that, um, and and I would absolutely, if I'm Ricardo, do everything it takes to either A, make the uh, buyout price tag pretty high, or B, and th- those aren't in order, and that would be to keep Callum, because I think he's done a really nice job. I think whether uh, it has I – don't, I don't know how to uh, gauge blame, but I would say they've torn up more equipment than David Malukas has. But, you know, I think I it'd be a hard toss up for me whether I took if I if I just could go hire somebody, Malukas or Ilot, there have been times this season when I've flipped on which one that is. I might go with Malukas if, if it were pressed to me right at the moment. Uh, but both of them would be quality quality hires. And doing what you're doing on your own with no teammate. I know. A I, brand new team is very impressive, but Malukas is Performing a two-time Indy 500 winner. Yes, he is. And a former Formula One driver most of the time. So Handled himself pretty well at Iowa, too, with, yes, with some uh, challenges from, from Takuma. So the number 10 options. Again, presuming that Pelot is not back in that car. I, I just don't see it happening. By the way, here's my latest theory that I've, I've come up with. Um, you know, the first thought was Zach Brown had said, hey, we, we're going to do a buyout for you. And then Zach is beep, beep, backing up. Nope. Nope, I've not seen the contract. That's up to him. Uh, he's on his own there. Maybe there's still an opportunity for McLaren to pay some of it, and they might just take it out of his salary for next year. But the other theory is 
surely this management group got someone to understand these contracts and knew, because everything I'm hearing is that the Chip Ganassi Racing contract is valid. So I'm I'm still not sure what that loophole is going to be. Maybe the Palo Camp and his management team think they have something, but if not... Uh, and if they have a financial piece of him in shares, maybe they've decided it's worth it to get him to start earning money as soon as possible, and they will take care of the buyout for him. Otherwise, uh, Alex Pillow is going to be driving for a big discount next year, if he's driving. If And I, and I would more, more lean to if he's driving, uh, because I don't think he'll be – he won't be in the 10 car. No chance. Uh I think there's, you know, then it's 50-50 on whether he drives at all or whether he gets to drive a McLaren. So drivers for the number 10, you know, you can start the veteran route. If if they don't find the driver that they want, say they really want Callum Eilat and he's locked in, or they want David Malukas and he's locked in for one more year and they don't want to deal with a buyout, why not just have Ryan Hunter-Ray drive the car for a year? Good. Or Sebastian Bourdais. I think they need him on the sports car program. I think he's really important to Cadillac, and I believe he will get to drive at Le Mans next year in their top-shelf Cadillac. So that might not be an option. Yeah, I think the Cadillac-Honda conflict is is significant. He'd have to get out of that because I don't think that uh, Cadillac would allow that. He would he would have to choose one. And there are too many conflicts. One, Le Mans is probably a conflict, and there are likely a few other uh, sports car conflicts. By the way, the sports car schedule, we'll start to get a sense of where things are going to lay out. Nashville weekend, they are at Road America. That is normally the IMSA state of the series when they unveil their schedule. And I think there are a couple of changes coming up on the IMSA schedule for next year. So you want to be tuned in for that. And, and maybe something will even come out before that. So kind of stand by on that front. So, so those are the two veteran categories. And then it's the same cast of characters. Malukas, Eilat, maybe VK, but I, I don't think so. Um, what about Oliver Askew there? I, I think he's still very well regarded in the paddock. And here's the thing. We all have, you and I have our thoughts. I don't feel like we're super qualified no. to judge. Mike Hall is, and Chip Ganassi is, but I suspect Chip kind of depends on Mike. And I think Mike's found some dandies before, and he might rate Oliver higher than some other teams do. Uh, so I just wouldn't rule him out finding a way back in. So let me ask you this question, and let's see if I can sum it properly. You talked about Ryan Hunter Ray as a kind of a stopgap option, a one-year option, and we had heard there was going to be this new crop of of drivers available in 2024. So you would be basically be buying yourself a year. Who's in that 24? We've had so much movement in the last month. Who really is available in 24 that Ganassi would want more than say David Malukas? So Scott Dixon is one of those that I believe would be open. He's already there. But he's already there. Is Colton Herta's contract up? I think it might be. Well, it might be, but he obviously has has designs elsewhere. Yeah, but he's not getting to Formula One unless 
McLaren takes him uh, or Andretti gets a team, and that seems unlikely at this point. Maybe Haas has an interest, but I don't think Haas cares if okay, it's an so American driver. We'll, we'll, we'll allow not. Colton Hurta as part of the so discussion. I'm just kind of looking through driver lineup and see who else I see in that front. Um, now, some of them, one was an Alex Pillow, which is already taken. Simon Pagano was probably a free agent again that year. Callum Eilat would be in that category if indeed we think his option is being picked up. Um, yeah, it's not It's not as big. It's not as rich as it yeah. was six weeks ago yeah. or, or two months Will, ago. Will Power is a free agent. So then we're more, th- we're, we're talking about there is a potential seat available. I think Will Power is, if he's racing again, he's staying with Team Penske or he's decided to move on or they've decided to move on and then a very desirable seat comes open and Team Penske will just pick amongst the best of every other team and take a driver. So again, I've not had much clarity on what Oh, and Marcus Erickson probably is up after one more year. I've not he had a lot 500. Of clarity on what the 10 car might do other than, you know, would you slide Erickson into the 10 uh but but I think David Malukas has risen to the top of my depth chart if I'm if I'm out there. I think he's the most desirable on the track and and financially. Okay, I, th- I think that's that's where I land. And then if then if the choice is the ten car or one of the Ganassi cars or one of the Andretti cars, excuse me, then I think I'm I think I'm taking Ganassi. Oh, if you're a driver yeah. and you have the choice, you have to take the Ganassi right now. Well, no disrespect, but the Andretti group has not not been as good. Yes, but the Andretti might pay more than Ganassi was willing to pay a young driver for the 10 car. That was kind of my difference maker. But I don't think Malukas is in a I-have-to-have-money state of mind. Uh, Malukas' He should be going is, where the best place yes, to win is. That's right. And their family is in pretty good shape, as I understand it. Yep. Okay, so there's that. We got it solved. What do we miss? Let us know at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan. We'll get back to Iowa. We'll talk about the brickyard a little bit and plenty more coming up. Trackside 935 107.5 the fan. Hi, this is David Malukas and you're listening to Trackside. This Saturday's IndyCar and Xfinity races at IMS. The racing continues Saturday night. The Tom Wood Group Indianapolis Speedrome powered by Lincoln Tech. It's a full night of stock car racing on the historic Fifth Mile Oval. Cap off by a 100 lap. Yep, 100 laps of wild and unpredictable late model figure eights. The Speedrome features family-friendly racing action, great food, free parking, and outrageous fun at Brookville Road and Kitley Avenue on the southeast side of Indy. More at speedrome.com. Kevin with the news of the day. How about this? Former Red Bull Toro Rosso Formula One driver is running a stock car this weekend. Announced today that Danny Kvyat, and we'd heard this rumor for a while now, uh, that he's going to be in the number 26 car coming up this weekend. Sunday afternoon, his stock car debut will be at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, entry list for the cup race of the uh, Notables. A.J. Allmendinger will be doing both races. He's one of the ones that uh, I you know, I know people had mentioned for if Joseph Newgarden needs a replacement, why not Allmendinger who's driven a Penske car before? You know, one thought was, well, it's been a long time. And I remember the last time he did road course racing after being a few years away. It's just an example. It's hard. If you haven't been doing this, don't expect results. 
So that's difficult. And plus, I knew A.J. was already pretty busy. He's uh, running for a championship in Xfinity on Saturday, and he runs a lot of the cup races and won this race, by the way, last year. So his plate is full. He'll do that. Uh, And among the others, Joey Hand, a noted sports car driver, is going to be running another cup race coming up in the number 15 car. That's the, uh, the Rick Ware racing car. Yes. Coming up this weekend. On the Xfinity list, my buddy Parker Kligerman is getting another shot coming up this weekend on the 35. Last time he raced. He won in the truck series. Uh, Who else? Andy Lally, sports car driver, is going to be in that race. Sage Karam will get another chance in the Xfinity race in the 45 car coming up this weekend. If you didn't see it, really nice piece that NBC did on the Xfinity pre-race show that I know they posted online. Uh, I think Jeff Gluck wrote a really nice story of, of a similar tone of Sage's first time in a race car back at Pocono since Justin Wilson was tragically killed. So that was that was good for Sage to finish the race as well. Yeah, that was good for him. I, I saw some photographs that uh, really kind of brought me back to Sage's situation and really appreciate the emotions he must have gone through. Speaking of entry list, I don't think we talked about this. Next week in the BC 39, the dirt track race Wednesday and Thursday night at the Speedway. Donnie Schatz is going to run. A 10-time World of Outlaws champion is going to run. He runs a midget very infrequently. This will be a a, a really good headliner for that event. So there, I know some people that are running this, but I don't know if they've been announced yet, so I don't want to mention that yet. So I'm going to look at the injury list tomorrow night, and maybe we'll talk about that. Yeah, but that's a a big one. Yeah, that's a big one. So that's cool. So that is... Wednesday and Thursday. After the Brickyard. Correct. So next week, Wednesday and Thursday night, feature night on Thursday night. I've gone, I think I've gone every year. Maybe I missed it. This is maybe the fourth year? This is the fourth. So I missed the second year. I went to the first and the third, and last year it was awesome. So I'm looking forward to that again coming up next weekend as well. Uh, Twitter questions. Hello, it's Jake Query, host of Beyond the Bricks that is in the studio tonight. Wow. It's a big night. It's an all-star cast. It's a big night. My key card still worked, Jake. I was quite quite impressed. David. Twitter questions from... <laughs> I'm going to go in and, and meet with management tomorrow. Uh, if you're an IndyCar team owner and have to choose between signing one of these current rookies, who do you pick? Comment why? Okay, I think he was just kind of tagging us on a poll question, which we have already discussed. I saw some questions last night that we didn't get to. Brian Campbell. How's a team like Andretti and a driver like Ross basically non-competitive for two days, given all their resources, practice, and experience? Can't I can't I can't answer that one. It's uh, the fact that Grosjean was, you know, the the best running um, Andretti driver when he had virtually no experience at at Iowa. Yes, he tested, but never raced there in that type of. Uh, it's like a bee's nest, <laughs> letting all the bees go around that little racetrack. It, it's a it's a busy place, and yeah, that you know Colton Herta and, and Alexander Rossi far more experienced than, than Grosjean, and they were relatively nowhere. I've got a theory on why Grosjean might have done better. That maybe he was a little bit more conservative and protected the Firestones a little bit better. Fair that, enough. That's what it came down to. You you know, you saw Connor Daly was fast. Jack Harvey was fast in qualifying. So this was clearly, you could have two different kind of race cars. You could have a fast race car, uh, or you could have, well, you'd like to have both, or you could have a car that will last beyond 50 laps. And it looked like some of the fast cars 
after 30 laps or so just started dropping like a rock. So maybe those teams gambled more on just outright pace and didn't have the setup correctly to protect the tires because that's what you have to do. Because we saw more than you know, there were four or five that the car appeared to be diabolical after about 35 laps. Team Penske had both. Yes, they did. Yeah, that's that's the idea. Uh, and then there are some that didn't have outright pace, like Ganassi, but they had long pace. So obviously sure. they chose that, hey, we're going to make the tires last. You know, but back to the Andretti thing, part of it is this is hard. And it's at a place like Iowa, you're talking about a couple of tenths of a second from being good to being mediocre or even bad. And, you know, the, the series is slammed by some. It's all oh, it's a spec series. It's all the same. It's a spec series. Why do some get it right sometimes and some get it who are good and well-resourced get it wrong? So spec series, yes, a lot of things are spec, but obviously not everything is or they'd all run the same speed. And and it's different It's different uh, characters in that in that equation, too. I mean, yeah. you could take the Penske's and the... And the Ganassis are largely at the front, and Arrow McLaren's five car for sure. But it's a yo-yo with the rest of the field. I mean, you might be—you think even the Penske's how they qualified at Indy. You know, it, it really, it really is a yo-yo series in that respect because drivers might be twentieth one week, and um, you know, and a hero the next week. Yeah, yeah. Who would have guessed that the Penske's what three years in a row now cannot how to f- figure out how to be up at the front? of Indy 500 qualifying Yep, because it's hard. <laughs> the other teams have smart guys and girls too. So it's difficult. And it's not quite the same, but Graham Rahal and that engineering staff shouldn't be where they are right now. You know, they're, they're better yeah. than this. Um, and so, and they'll get it, they'll figure it out, but they can be close. But you know, the difference between, as you said, being great, being good and being embarrassed is, is slim yeah. in this series for anyone. Brian Taylor asks, any word on a contract extension for Gateway? If I recall, they announced a five-year extension before the race in 2017, which would expire after this year. I didn't think it was that long ago. I thought that was announced in 19 or something like that. So if anyone knows or finds that, send it. um, I might have even said 20. Um, It seems like it was pretty recently. Yeah. I'm not worried about John bon- Bomarito. He's he's no. pretty invested in this thing, and and uh, it's been a great spot, good mis- Midwestern spot for IndyCar. So I'm not worried about Gateway. Well, I think I saw something somewhere that ticket sales are up from maybe 20 and about where they were in 19 or something like that. You know, there was that fear that, oh, are they all focused on NASCAR now? But maybe having NASCAR there has just pulled a little more attention on the facility yes. and helps everyone. So that's what I was going to say. You know, most of the tracks that get a NASCAR race after they've had an IndyCar race, people people knew the track was there. They've just kind of, you know, have lost interest in, in maybe the sport as a whole. In the Gateway case, I think it's really lifted the the, the profile to have NASCAR. It's, it's made people, you know, in St. Louis realize the tracks across the river and exit four and that kind of thing. Uh, so I think it has been a benefit to IndyCar to have NASCAR there. Wing side up asks, which oval not currently on the schedule would be the most likely to succeed if an event like we saw at Iowa were to be scheduled? 
So I have one that I haven't mentioned in a little while. You know, I've thrown out there Milwaukee because I know there was that rumor going around in the spring. But, you know, the first thing that comes to mind that I still want to see tried again, if you could find a good local partner, would be Richmond. Because I, I, I think, I don't know. I think maybe the package might race well there. Yeah, I didn't go quickly to to uh, Richmond with my thought process. The one that breaks my heart that's not there is Phoenix. That's the second one that I would think of. Yeah. I mean, I just I can't believe IndyCars are not haven't been at Phoenix and no prospects on the horizon. Um, that's the Phoenix is the place aside from Indy where I grew to to really appreciate this sport as a series and more than just the Indy 500. So uh, Phoenix is one that breaks my heart well and phoenix too would fill some categories because there's no interest to go very deep into september i think most not everyone agrees with this but certainly the people that have a say have decided this and i I agree with them i don't think you want to go head-to-head with the nfl if nascar had their choice they would not go head-to-head with the nfl but when you run basically 40 weekends you're going to have to so, you know, unless they want to make their season, well, there's no way. They, they, they have to go head-to-head with the NFL quite a bit. So if you're not going to run in the fall, you're looking for February and March races, and Phoenix fits that bill. The problem is cup scheduling. Now, I still forget. So they're at the end of the season. I think they still have a cup race in the spring. Yeah. If so that ever goes away, then I think that opens things up. The, mo- the more likely of the, of the tracks, though, is Milwaukee. That's the one that probably has the best Iowa type model. Yeah, I mean, and you don't, you're not dealing with, you know, a, you know, the Cup situation or the the NASCAR races in Phoenix and and Richmond. You kind of have a clean slate. I guess I throw out Richmond because I still have a fear about Milwaukee commercially. That why is it going to be different for attendance? I thought Andretti Marketing did a pretty nice job of making that an event the last time around, and it was half full or so. The only argument against that would be I thought Iowa was done pretty well the last time around. Good point. And it went to another level. Yeah. It, it could – that – Yeah. It, it takes a lot to get there, but it, I think it could be replicated, the model. That was what the question was. Well, and it's it's also a venue that – I think is easier to do a deal with. Exactly. You know, it's, it's well, I think, I don't know that because it's run by the fair board and maybe that is harder because they're not really in the racing business. So they may not be as open to that. Whereas with Richmond, it's owned by NASCAR. Correct. That's, a, that's a, what used to be an ISC track. So they so understand the business. Um, and I think there are good relationships between the two. So they might be open especially depending on when the race is. So uh, th- those those are the ones that kind of come to mind that could be options as we move forward. Uh, from Iowa, what have we not talked about that we need to discuss going back to this race? Who needs to get a mention and so forth? Well, I think it's, it's a little bit under the radar that Scott Dixon had two top five finishes, and he continues to claw closer. I did talk to him today at the, the Dan Weldon uh, – We'll call it the Dan Weld event. His two sons ran laps in a go kart at the Speedway today to sort of kick off Brickyard Week, um, and so the road course is now officially open. And that was that was fun. Oliver and Sebastian, uh, good looking uh, young go kart racers, and that was fun. But 
But Dixon made the point. He said, look, you know, I said, do you feel like you're lurking and you're gaining and you gain 10 more points in Iowa? And he goes, look, if I finish in the top three at Indy, I'm not down 34 points. Mm-hmm. I'm up 35 points. I should be up 35 points right now. So I thought, that, that's still pretty tough to swallow. Yeah. You can tell when he mentions that immediately in victory lane at Toronto that he's still – that is the only thing that will help, and it still won't erase at all, would be winning a championship. So the other thing I said to him, and I said um, he mentioned his his mistake on on pit road speeding, and I said that has to be, if not the top, one of the top two or three of your career in terms of ones that are difficult to accept. And he said, "He say thanks, thanks maybe higher than that." Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, wow, it's still. I mean, it's a double whammy, you know, because he could be on the way to the seventh championship here, even if he finishes third. And he gave away an Indy 500. So it's a double whammy. Renus VK got a result in race one. And uh, I think he, oh, he got caught out by the yellow in race two was one of the things that happened to him. He had just pitted when when a yellow came out and that sent him to the back. Uh, Who else? I think really, we talked about the rookies last night. Yeah, I think those are the ones that that really. It's pretty much the same three guys. Ultimately, yeah. that's what that's the one we should be talking about. And uh, no update. Somebody last no update on Joseph Newgarden today. I think it will be Thursday before we know anything. I've not seen any any um, social media out of Joseph or his team. And I don't mean Team Penske, but you know the people around Joseph that that help him with social media. Um, Nothing out of Team Penske, so I think it'll come down to Wednesday clearance from the medical team. Thursday. Can he drive? I mean Thursday. Thursday yeah. Uh, Thursday. You know, can he drive? Um, we'll have to see. Uh, practice is nine thirty on Friday. A ninety-minute practice, qualifying early in the afternoon, one and, o'clock, and then Xfinity practice and qualifying right after IndyCar. So you can see a lot of action on Friday. And then IndyCar has a warm-up on Saturday morning, the race. Warm-up at 8.15, followed by... 8.15? Followed Ooh. by cup uh, <laughs> practice slash qualifying. Now, in both the NASCAR cases, they're going to practice in groups, and then they're going to roll right into qualifying. So there won't yeah. be there won't be much time in between. Uh, then the IndyCar race is on the air at noon. At noon. I think around a 12.30 start, and it's basically about a six-hour window on NBC from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Saturday. The IndyCar race is on NBC. The Xfinity race is on NBC uh, right after we're done. And then on Sunday, the Cup race will be on NBC. A couple of factoid stats from Chad Smith at Chad 200. So when you think about who maybe has a good chance to make a move in the championship, how about Will Power and where they're racing this coming weekend? He's won five times. On the road course, he has six poles. He has led 341 laps. Next most, 81. Uh, Ray Hall is one that always moves forward. He's gained 25, uh, 75 spots in the last 10 races. And Scott Dixon has not qualified well there. He's finished well at times, like he always does. 12th, 15th, 16th, 26th, and 21st with three laps led in his last five starts. Yeah, the last four races have not gone well for him at IMS on the road course. Um, Ten and a half is average finish in the last four. 
whereas he had been first, second, second, second in the four races prior. So he, he's got some some work to do, and he knows it. He, you know, he said, yeah, this is another one where we haven't been as good maybe as, as we have been in the past, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Last year, he didn't have a very good opening lap of the qualifying session and then spun on the second lap. So um, – Let's see what Dixon does. All right, I've got a thought on another topic I'll share in just a moment, and we'll see what we missed as well. Coming up, Trackside 93.5-1075, The Fan. Hi, this is Connor Daly, driver of the number 20 Bitnile Chevrolet for Ed Carpenter Racing, and you're listening to Trackside. We are here all week, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock as well. Thursday night show... Most of it will be plausibly live because there's another event coming up on Thursday night, the Brickyard Prelude Party at Prime 47 Indy Steakhouse downtown, benefiting the Survivors of Violence Foundation in conjunction with Chernoff Cosmetic Surgery. So uh, we did a little bit from there last year. So uh, Hinch and I are going to be hosting some of this. Lee Diffie is coming in as well. He'll get there that afternoon. We're going to do a little roundtable, and we're going to uh, try to raise some money for a really worthy cause. Dr. Chernoff started this uh, many years ago to basically help fix up people who have been the victim of violence, whether it be domestic violence or otherwise. And uh, several IndyCar drivers are going to be joining us. I tweeted out the link today. Uh, again, but uh, if you didn't find it, just uh, hit me a message, email me, whatever, and we'll get you a link. $150 is the purchase price, and that includes all the food you can eat from Prime 47, which pretty much takes care of that. We've got cocktails for you and much more as well. It's presented by Wise Financial, Northwestern Mutual Private Client Group. So Firestone has given me a display tire. It, it's it's a race tire. Maybe you don't want to put it on a race car uh, because, well, you you don't Probably, have one. You, yeah, you have one, and you'd mess up all the autographs. And it's got, I think, the entire field from 2015 on there. So this is, and it's got a rim on it as well. So it's cool. This is a nice display, brand new, fresh tire. Scott McLaughlin gave his race-winning gloves from Mid Ohio from a few weeks ago that we're going to be auctioning off. We've got golf at the Brickyard, uh, Indy Racing two-seater opportunity. Uh, sweet tickets this weekend to the cup race on Sunday or the IndyCar race or the practice and qualifying on Friday, including a tour with me. Carb Day sweet tickets for next year. The eight-hour endurance race sweet tickets uh, this weekend. Uh, bottles of wine from the Foyt Winery, Danica Rosé as well. I think there's some things that we're still working on that, that maybe we'll mention in the next couple of days. Uh, some Indy Fuel tickets and more. So that's... This Thursday night, 6.30 until 9, Clayton Anderson is going to be playing. So this isn't a sit-down dinner. This is going to be a fun evening. So I hope you can join us coming up. Uh, I just found out that Calvin Fish, our our co-worker on IMSA, is going to be in town. And he'll come and tell stories about beating Ayrton Senna. And then probably the stories about how Senna beat him the other 18 times. But whatever. He beat him once or twice, and that's more than the rest of us did. So Thursday night. Uh, you can find more information at violencesurvivor.org. Or again, probably the simplest for tickets is just hit my Twitter at Kevin Lee 23 All right. Uh, in studio with us here tonight is uh, someone else that we met through an auction situation with the ABC Supply Company auction on Carb Night Benefiting Homes for Our Troops. Bill Boldman is here. So we've asked if you have any questions for us, and you're just a very content listener. So we're going to ask you 
a question. Favorite IndyCar driver. Now, back in the day, whatever the case may be. Well, right now, it's, it's such a big field right now that it's hard to pick just one driver. I mean, you know, they're, what, what do we had? 10, 10 different poll winners this year? Nine, something like yeah, that? Something. I mean, Let's see. But, yeah, not, nine different winners in the first nine yeah. races, and then now Power and, and Herta yeah. have won multiple polls. But uh, all time, I think I'm going to go with Sarah Fisher. Okay. She probably, that's who I was watching growing up. And then I, the split happened and I kind of faded out of IndyCar came back to it i really cheered for her when she was a car owner and now i've kind of to the ed carpenter team because of the ties with sarah fisher big fan of colton or uh connor daly you know yep. i pull for him really because he drives for ed who was tied to sarah and i, like I can it. tell you there's a lot of um sarah doesn't get enough mentions in that regard even though she was most popular driver on a number of occasions in this series but there are some athletes not worth your support. Uh, she is one who does deserve your support. She's she's done. Uh, she's worked hard at it. She and her husband Andy have have done extremely well in the sport and worked given a lot to it. So, and uh, I thought she's had a, a very nice career as a driver. So and a good post driving career as well. She and Andy are still very actively involved in the sport. They're running the Whiteland. Uh the Whiteland Outdoor Go-Kart Track, and then yep. they have their indoor go-kart facility in Speedway. They're involved in junior formula cars. They've had an F4 program with some other partners, and I think they're going to have a USF 2000 program next year as well. And they're good people. Exactly. exactly. They're just good people. Yep. What you think of Sarah, if you haven't been around her, is is the Sarah you'll get when you are around her. She's uh, she's She's first class. Good, good. Uh, all right, here's the other thing I was going to mention, um, and I'm surprised no one asked a question of this. And actually, I, I do understand because they you know, don't want to put me in a bad spot, but I'm open to commenting on the ratings that came out today from the weekend. We always hope that they're better, and maybe in some cases they're better than what they could have been because you're going head-to-head with NASCAR, so it is what it is coming up on Sunday. So I don't think any of us were expecting – a uh, significantly high rating. I think the report said something like 700 some thousand and a 0.45 on Sunday and a 0.6 or so and just shy of a million on Saturday, which I would say that's pretty good, but even then you went head to head with Xfinity for just a little while. So I guess I would look at it this way. Um everyone has to decide and everyone, I mean the network, the promoter, the series, what do we need to happen? What's our highest priority? And if it's outright television rating, then you have to do everything you can to avoid, one, the NFL, two, NASCAR. Maybe it's the other way around because you're more likely to get your people watching from the NASCAR audience. And these are the people inclined to watch motorsports. The challenge with that is, you know, I know it's easy to say, oh, how can you go head-to-head with the NASCAR race? Well, when you start at noon... If you do start at noon, which is, I think, the best option for IndyCar for television ratings, that's not great for the promoter. You don't sell a lot of hot dogs. At 11 a.m. And and beer. And especially when you shorten the day. If you basically have your main event done by 2 o'clock, you've given up three hours of time. And it's also good to have the other support events before. So that's the conundrum there. Here's one thing I kicked around that I don't – I've not – really diagnose whether this makes sense but 
Do you consider, if there's no other way to do it than running head-to-head with Cup, do you just do the race live on Peacock only, and especially if the Cup race is on USA, are you better off then running it tape delay at 6.30 or 7 at night after the Cup race? They've had good results with that in the past. I can recall a couple of mid-Ohio races that on cable drew just shy of a million people, Sonoma, Sonoma might have been live after a cup race. So I don't know if that works. Tape delay isn't great in today's audience, but it did as recently as a few years ago. That way you're serving the people who have gone to the trouble to to get Peacock. They can still watch it live. And then you get your casual audience with a great lead in of two and a half million people on USA. Maybe that's more valuable than an NBC window head to head with a cup race. It's something to think about. I, I like the idea. Uh, didn't the cup race they get we didn't catch a break there either because the cup race got moved up even earlier it started 25 minutes before the indycar race did they started green flag as we were firing engines in indycar so just a tough situation yeah so i think the saturday rating is is good uh the sunday rating is about what you would expect to be head to head with a cup race that means so what was the number i think it was two and a half million watching the cup race so you had 3.3 million people watching racing at the same time. Um, you're not getting that many watching the IndyCar, but I think it's safe to say a few hundred thousand of those people watching the cup race would have been watching the IndyCar race. All right, tomorrow night we will do it again at 7 o'clock. Bill, I'm glad you can come in. Thank you so much for donating to Homes for Our Troops, and I hope you enjoyed the experience. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it a lot. It's nice to see behind the scenes of what goes on with these things. We'll try to have a bigger show next time for you. <laughs> this, is, this is all we can do. We don't really – we just sit here and we talk. There's no plan, and that's what it is. Maybe you can stay and see what Jake does, because Jake has been prepping for the show probably right. since last Wednesday. Almost two and a half minutes. Uh, yeah, I was going to say minutes. Hey, minutes. he was here a quarter till. This is really good. Jake Query and Mike Thompson, Beyond the Bricks, is coming up next. For Sam and Kurt, I'm Kevin. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.